In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. It is not meet to take the children's bread and dogs. I don't think Jesus had an American audience in mind when he says that. I've walked through the pet stores and the pet food section at Whole Foods, and I know what some of you feed your animals. It's at least as good as what you give your kids. But we'll come back to that troublesome verse later. This tricky and challenging passage comes to us both in Matthew and in Mark's Gospels in nearly identical forms. God, in his wisdom, I think, gave us this story twice because there's something in it for us. It is a challenging text because the Jesus whom we are used to seeing being compassionate, gracious, merciful, and healing seems cold and heartless. And yet it concludes with this Gentile woman being granted her request. So let's take a closer look at it, to better understand it, to wonder what it might mean for us. As the passage begins, we note that Jesus and his disciples are relocating. Matthew and Mark have both had Jesus in the previous couple of chapters, having fed the 5,000, walking on water, healing people, and then having a bit of a run-in with the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day. So we don't know why exactly they depart to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Perhaps it's for just rest from active ministry, which Jesus does regularly. Or maybe it's to take a break from the brewing conflict. Either way, they leave Nazareth, head further north, maybe a little west, up into the region of what is now Lebanon and Syria, along the coast. Considering the miracles that Jesus has already done by this time, we maybe shouldn't be surprised that news about him, or even news that he's heading to that area, have traveled ahead of him. And into this predominantly Gentile, or what we might even call pagan area. And yet, here comes a Canaanite woman. The Canaanites, as you might recall, one of the historical enemies of Israel, one of the groups originally in the land when Abraham shows up. But this doesn't dissuade her from approaching Jesus. The text tells us that she herself has come out from those coasts. For reasons we'll see, she leaves her homeland, presumably leaving also her local religion, seeking out and finding Jesus on this somewhat neutral ground in which neither of them are exactly on home turf. Considering this Canaanite background, her address to Jesus should strike us. She approaches and she calls him Lord and Son of David. The latter of those especially is surprising, because Son of David is a distinctly Jewish phrase for the Messiah. One of the church fathers suggests that she was leaving behind her pagan worship and was maybe even a proselyte to the Jewish faith. And so though she was not of Israel, she knew and believed that Jesus was Messiah. She 
He believed what he was capable of accomplishing for her, for her daughter. And so with great reverence and respect, she approaches and lays out her compassionate plea. Heal my daughter. Jesus' response is silence. He does not praise her faith. He does not condemn her. He's simply silent. The silence creates a teaching moment, both for his disciples and for us. On her part, the woman is quite persistent. She cries out, longing to be heard, and now it is the disciples who begin to pester Jesus. Please give her what she wants so she'll go away. She's bothering us. She keeps crying out, send her away. Give her what she's asking for. Jesus breaks a silence and says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Again, seeming cold. But a couple chapters previous in Matthew, in chapter 10, when he sent out his 12 disciples on their mission, he specifically told them, don't go to the Gentiles. Go only to the lost sheep of Israel. He's consistent. And yet, this is the same Jesus who in Matthew chapter 8, even earlier, had healed a Roman centurion's daughter from afar and declared to him that there would be many from east and west who would dine with Abraham in the kingdom of heaven. So what's he really saying here? Without a doubt, Jesus is a prophet sent to Israel, and like most of the other prophets, he is sent purely to Israel, not to anywhere else proclaiming God's truth to God's chosen people. But this was never meant to be at the exclusion of other nations. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, when God first calls Abraham, out of whom will come Israel. Part of his promise to Abraham then was that all of the families of the earth would be blessed in and through him. Blessings were always for Israel, but through Israel for the rest of the world. Or consider what is said of the nation of Israel in the 19th chapter of Exodus, in which Israel is called a kingdom of priests, at least suggesting they would mediate the relationship between God and the world, bearing his blessings to them. So yes, God is sent to Israel called them to faith, that through them the world might be blessed. We note that Jesus himself does no explicit missionary work anywhere else. The places we see teaching are within the confines of the Jewish world. And yet the world still comes to him. The Canaanite woman's cries are ongoing, and now she approaches, kneeling in worship before Jesus. Hear cry, Lord, help me. And Jesus now speaks directly to her. It is not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. For the third time in this short passage, we are struck by what seems a very harsh and unkind response from Jesus. 
The people of Israel are God's chosen by grace. His food rightly, rightly belongs to them, his children. I want to point something out. When he references dogs here, he doesn't use the word for dogs. It's those dogs that are outside the wild ones. He uses a diminutive form of the word, which culturally means the house pets, those who are still in the household. In her response, the woman is wonderfully humble, but she grabs on to that nuance. She says, of a truth, Lord, you're right. You've come for Israel, and the blessings are naturally to them first. And yet, she says, those house dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. Jesus is her master. All she really needs and wants are the crumbs. This woman's great faith has her believe that a feast of even the crumbs from Jesus would be sufficient. And they are. Jesus acknowledges this extreme and wonderful faith and grants her request. The church itself has seized on the imagery of this passage, the imagery of these crumbs, and what we say each week at Eucharist in what we call the prayer of humble access. When we join her and say, we are not worthy to gather up the crumbs under thy table, for your property is to always have mercy. Most of us, like this Canaanite woman, come to the Jewish Messiah from our own varied Gentile backgrounds. We are not worthy to gather up the crumbs, and yet he has allowed them to fall to us. As Paul declares in Romans that through Israel not accepting their Messiah, the church has been grafted in and the blessings are ours. It is God's property to always have mercy. And even his crumbs are sufficient. And so here we come again, once again to the master's table, needing to be fed. And as always, he shares himself with us in his body, in his blood. So put your faith, your trust in God again. Come, confess your faults, your failures. Lay your needs before him. Approach the table in worship. Feast on his crumbs. And in so doing, find again that he is enough for you and for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.